Pedersen, oh, it's 1-0 Blues! What a header that is! Christian Pedersen with a bullet header! It's then floated towards the back post, Jukovic in there, Jukovic! Oh, what a header! This man is on red-hot form at St Andrews at the moment. And it goes again towards the towering Zigic. All confusion at Martins, and surely scored the winning goal for Birmingham City! Hello and welcome back to the Blues Talk podcast. Del Moon and myself, Callum Denning, looking back on our still unbeaten run in the championship. Four matches since we last spoke and an FA Cup exit, but one that we can take pride away from, as well as that, we're joined by Maxime Collin, and we're joined by the new interim head coach of Blues Women to take on the quick five questions. It's all on the way here on the Blues Talk Podcast. The Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning. Right, Dale, we're back. Uh, last time we were here, we were midway through an unbeaten run. We'd just beaten Barnsley. Four league games later, and it's still going strong. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's it's a bit of a weird one, really, because obviously we've had the defeat to to Leicester in the cup. But yeah, you're quite right when you you think of how many games it's been since we last sat here. You you look through the calibre of opposition, tricky away games, you know, home to Brentford, and good that they've got a resilience about us and just keeps this momentum rolling on, sets up the end of the season nicely. And I think as everyone in the same mind frame, really, that we should be far enough away from the bottom three. Um, with the, the amount of games we've still got to play, it's a nice buffer between ourselves and the, the relegation zone. Not quite close enough or as close as we'd like to be to the top six. So they'll give it a good go. Every player you speak to is telling us the last few weeks that it's a case of let's see if we can go on a run and what happens, happens. But nice that we're sitting here 10 games away from the end of the season and, and relative touchwood, a comfortable position. Well, listen, nothing set in stone. No. Take it on a game-by-game basis. You never know what might happen. Still have to play for. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you just hope that you can finish the season on a high. You don't want to fizzle it out. I hate it when, you know, how I was talking the other day, how long do you wait until the, the phrase, uh, they're on the beach, starts to pop up? Because, you know, the mid-table teams form do tend to, to drop off. Yeah. Not a lot to play for. The ones at the top obviously have a lot chasing promotion at the bottom as you've seen in recent weeks are absolutely scrapping for their lives mm-hmm. the results down there have been unbelievable in the past few weeks so yeah just just hope that we can still have that pride and performance and results and you know I'd love a top top 10 finish would be nice it's been a while since we've had one of yeah. those I think Pep's put it quite nicely in his recent press conference as well how long has it been since we've not been fighting relegation going into the last like two or three games of the season yeah even last season well, you think last season was going to be the yeah. one and yet um yeah, obviously with the yeah the stuff we were fighting against off the pitch and stuff, and uh, yeah, that, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, for me, it's been a season of what ifs. I mean, you've seen the impact that Scott Hogan's made yep. in January. We've seen when you have three fit centre halves all vying for places, and I think the gap between the three of them has got closer, especially in recent weeks. I mean, Harley Dean is the one that's been left out, but since he's come back in. He's been at the top of his game. Don't again. envy Pep having those choices. Yeah, it's tough, but you just start to think, what if you'd have had Hogan or a striker like him in mm-hmm. the start of the season? What if we could have kept that centre-half partnership fit and healthy over that crucial Christmas period where there's lots of games? You start to have a little look up. And what if the championship officials sh- are as good as they should be? Because I do feel like, as it's been publicised, we've been let down a little bit this year. Pep spoke about VAR. We'll talk about it a little bit later on as well. Our first ever, Dale, this week... VAR check, a moment <laughs> in history. <laughs> listen, we'll come on to that. 
Um, and also, we'll talk about the return of a man who has been very, very missed, I think, by us, by the fans, by everyone, really, for the past nine months. But he's back, and he's back in style. More on that later. But let's go back, then, to that first game after we last spoke, the Brentford game. Um, Scott Hogan against his former club. Been on a ratio of uh, goal per game until then. Disappointing he didn't <laughs> get it against Brentford, but yeah. Juki's there. So Yeah, it was... Um this was the toughest test. I remember uh, the the run up to the game. Everyone said we've been in a great run, but the Brentford one was yeah. one where you think, right, this is how good are we? How good have we been? Because Brentford at the time were free scoring, flying uh, up the top. You, yeah, you, you look at the front three were dangerous. Although it was two of the three were fit to play, Emiliano Macondes had to come in, but you know you still got Ben Rama and and Ollie Watkins mm -hmm. who have got goals in them. And actually, for the first half an hour, we were phenomenal. Um, when you take into account the tempo of the game, the intensity of the match, calibre of opposition, it was the perfect setup. And uh, yeah, get that early goal through Lukas Jukovic, um, and you think we're on our way. The the only blotch on the game is the way we conceded. Ethan Pinnock's goal, he just peels off mm -hmm. to the far post and nods it in. But you take a point against Brentford, a high-flying side, it kept the momentum going, and it showed that we can go punch for punch, toe-to-toe -to -toe with one of the promotion candidates. I don't want to sound like we're sat here blaming referees, but it's a blatant handball in the second half as well. Yeah, Penalty, and you fancy Blues to go on and win the yeah, game. We get that. Pinnock involved again, isn't it? His ball just uh, over his shoulder to the far post. and I think Rico Henry chests it down. Mm -hmm. It pops up awkwardly for him, but his right arm's out wide. It's, it's not as a as natural position in, as you yeah. can get it. It's not tucked in. It's as clear as day. The whole stadium goes up. And I think you can get a gauge of players' reaction, supporters' reaction. I mean, supporters will always appeal. Mm -hmm. Players' reaction in particular will tell you a lot about whether it was or wasn't a decision. And um, everyone could see it was humble. But it's the story of the season, unfortunately. Well, we move on. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday at home. Um, a lot of interest on the touchline <laughs> to start with, as it was at Hillsborough, but all... Very amicable. Didn't see the handshake. Yeah, yeah, I know there was a handshake. I was think I was walking from the studio to the doing the track. press box. Yeah, so I didn't see the actual handshake. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those weird games where they where went with a flat back five. I haven't seen a flat five for a while. Mm. Um, did have we? I think we've made a substitution later on in games to go to a back five when we brought Wes and Harley on. Yes, some yeah. stage. Bristol City or yeah. somewhere where we it was Bristol City and then it was the game to after, start a game with a flat back five and it wasn't you know three centre halves and two wing backs it was five across the back mm -hmm. so they had a clear game plan they're on a torrid run lots of pressure uh, and they came for a point but actually it turns into quite an expansive game and we never I just never felt we had full control of it even though we got ourselves ahead for a, a really bizarre own goal. We never, we never looked like we hit any stride, any pattern. It wasn't that slick football we've mm -hmm. seen. We didn't really have uh, dominate the ball. And Sheffield Wednesday were always in the game. And again, I mean, I think afterwards you come away not just in awe of Scott Hogan's goal scoring abilities to get us out of the out of the sticky stuff late on, but Lee Camp makes a crucial save again. I was again about to in say you want to talk resilience. Two big <laughs> saves yeah. from Campy. Big fan of the podcast, of course. Uh, there's the one on one, and then yeah. there's the one from that volley as yeah, well, Stephen just outside Fletcher. the area. Unreal. Yeah, it's the first time Fletcher probably got the better of Mark Roberts, who played really well. Uh, gets is it Wick Wickham? Sorry, is it Wickham? It was Connor Wickham, Wickham wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, he was throwing a big lad as well. I didn't realise actually just how big he is. He stands next to Mark Roberts, and then two giants, but. Um, yeah, that's a good save. The, the Murphy one for me is more important. I Huge. mean, he's got half a pitch to run into mm -hmm. and he just has too much time to think about it. It reminds me of a Cameron Jerome fi finish where he has to think about it and he's no good. He's, yeah. he's instinctive 
he was he looked lethal and I think because he's striding forward it's like five seconds he's got a good 40 yards to yeah think he's about really what he's thinking do. about what he's going to do and Lee Camp stands tall though and he stretches his arms up in the air and he's quickly down to his left hand side and makes a crucial save at the game at a time in the game where it would have given uh, Sheffield Wednesday a bit of breathing space so uh, Scott Hogan's finish is fantastic. Unbelievable volley, isn't it? Just the, it's the timing of the run as well for me. As soon as that ball's forward towards Lukas mm. Jukovic, he's on the move, anticipating it. And yeah, Juki's knocked down. And Hogan, I mean, he's still got work to do. I don't back, with all due respect to everyone else in the squad, I don't back anyone else to score that. It's still a difficult volley to execute. Mm-hmm. It's nodded down. It's across his, got his body. He's, he's gone with his instep to guide it into the far corner. Beautiful finish. And yeah, we, we are rescued of a point. Thank you. It's almost what we've been missing, isn't it, for half a season? I mean, obviously, the lads who have been out there have put in some fantastic performances. That little bit of pace, that run behind the defence, that reading of the game that we had last season with Shea Adams is now back in with Scott. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone will look to his goal ratio and we'll move on to the games where he scored QPR. But actually, we've always said here, he offers a lot more than that. He gives us a plan B, a different option, and he keeps defences guessing. He can go tight to Lukas Jukovic and try and wrestle him if you want. You'll come out second best. And then if you want to play a high line and try and press us, condense the pitch, well, Scott Hogan's always on the move. And he's an intelligent mover as well. He's got a brain. He's, there's always a thought to his moves. I was thinking back to the Leicester game, mm-hmm. particularly in the first half. He's, he's arching his runs and he's trying to play down the channels and split the, the full-backs and the centre-halves. And he's um, it's been a massive addition. Yeah, his goals have helped, but he offers so much more than that. And his partnership with Juki feels like it's been going for years. The reading that they've got of each other. Mm. It's just because they have to play their natural games. You're not asking Lukas Jukovic, which we were early in the season, to do something that doesn't come naturally to mm-hmm. him. He, He's 29, 30 years old, Lukas Jukovic. He knows by now what he is. He's not going to change. We can't all of a sudden turn him into a striker that's going to start chasing things down the channel and stretching teams. And Scott Hogan's the same. You know, Scott Hogan's made a living out of running in behind teams, being in behind. It, and he plays between the goalposts. Whenever that ball goes out wide, he's, it's not a coincidence that he's turned home two or three of his goals from inside the six-yard box mm-hmm. because he knows that's where he has to be to do the damage and it's instinctive and I don't think you can coach some of the things that we've seen from Scott Hogan. Right, we move on then. London door header uh, to the den. Not one that's going to live long in the memory but still a, a very impressive point at a formidable den. Yeah, always difficult to go. I think I tweeted before the game a midweeker in February. The weather's horrible. The pitch is going to be worse. Millwall's obviously difficult. They make life hard for you. And under Gary Rowett, credit to him, they're well organised and well drilled. We know what he's all about. Mm-hmm. A manager that suits going to a side who have to plan the counter-attack and be defensively solid first and foremost. And he's gone in there and got a tune out of those players. And so we knew it was going to be tough. Goal, I mean, it's a game of few goal-scoring chances, but we have the ball in the back of the net. Yet again, we come away ruining a, a, an official's decision where I've seen the video three, four times since. And it's I just can't baffling. work it out. Harley Dean's fouled, if anything, surely. Because it's quite easy to start getting really irate and raged with it because it really, really winds me up the way the referee stood there. And the camera angle shows the referee's view. He cannot possibly call for Harley Dean. Mm-hmm. Because a defender mistimes a header, it doesn't mean that he's been nudged in the back or pushed in the back. I can't, even with his field of view. I can't work out what he's seeing. You were on the gantry, so you had the aerial view. I had a similar view almost. He's guessed because, because the defender misjudges it. Yeah. And he's gone up early and as he's on his way down stumbles a bit. He glances the yeah. header. He's he's then guesses well he can't have he can't have done that naturally. He must have mm-hmm. got a nudge in the back to force him forwards. He simply hasn't. Harley Dean's got his right arm in front of him, jumped to try and get some elevation, kept, kept his right arm there yeah. to try and flick it on. 
There is absolutely nothing there, but I'm sick and tired of sitting on these podcasts and sitting in the stands in the TV studio watching games and us talking about the lack of quality when it comes to simple and basic refereeing decisions. I know everyone points to the Middlesbrough one. Mm-hmm. I can see the Middlesbrough one actually as, okay, he's a head injury. Yes, he, he should have stopped it a lot earlier because... But. He, he let it protocol. play on. But if he genuinely believes that is a head injury, he's, he's looked over his shoulder, he has to stop it. Mm-hmm. I understand that. It's, it's it's poor performance from the referee because he should have just stopped it yeah. rather than trying to play on. The rest of them, handball at Brentford's ridiculous. The Millwall one's pathetic. It's been three or four in the season. Avaro Jimenez uh, got yeah, a that's the one the I was going to come to. It's but like, Danny Bart. It's just... Yeah, and I, and I don't I don't subscribe to the conspiracy arts, the EFL hating blues and stuff. And it's I don't think there's a, a, a conscious bias. They're just poor. They're, their standard is just poor. Mini rent. I finished. don't think that's an outrageous accusation either this season. I know obviously the club have met with the PGMOL to discuss this. Um, we've aired our grievances on Twitter as well. Yeah. Uh, particularly after the Middlesbrough incident. Yeah. It, it's been far yeah, too far many. too common this yeah, season. Too many. And Lukas Jukovic actually even last night last day. He's um he's getting yellow carded and fouls <laughs> given against him. You just you just think what, what are you seeing? What are you seeing here? But listen, I don't want to waste any more. You and me on the gantry yesterday just in pure disbelief at just some of what was going on. You have to sort of laugh at it. It's ridiculous at times. I see him and I, and I, yeah, I, I don't think there's a bias. I just think they're just poor at what they're doing. They need to sort it out. But anyway, one of those things. Well, let's come on to another one. QPR away. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scott Hogan should have had an opportunity for a hat trick. <laughs> well, yeah, I know I said I don't <laughs> want to talk about it anymore, but this is where we Listen, are. Again, I'm the following game, yeah, the following game, yeah, an, another game where um, everyone was aware of QPR's attacking threat. Only Brentford and Leeds scored more, mm-hmm. but uh, only Luton have conceded more, which suggests a wide open game. They play expansive football, look to outscore teams a bit like Blackpool under Holloway a few years ago. If you score four, we'll try and score five. Mm-hmm. So. Fine. We were defensively nice and solid. And again, Scott Hogan running off defenders gets us um, gets us in front. Maxim Collin with a lovely ball. They try and play a high line. It's the young defender, Masterson, who's mm-hmm. just too deep. He coming as a late replacement for the skipper, didn't he? But uh, Hogan then, yeah, project beyond the keeper, gets us ahead. Uh, great start. And then in a five-minute spell, you get it at half-time, you won the look. Five-minute spell, just turned the game on its head, didn't it? This uh, Christian Pedersen up against Bright Say Samuel, who is there. All the talk pre-game about Iberieze, actually, right? I say Sammy yeah. was the one we should we should have a little look at because um, bags of pace and talking to the analyst lads two years ago, he was very raw, very quick, but with the ball at his feet, looked a little bit awkward. Actually, now he's turned himself into a really good player, and mm-hmm. they were always looking to feed him. And he's so difficult because if you if you go tight and press him, you've left a lot of space with you and behind. If you stand off him, now he's running at you with pace. So difficult one for Christian Pedersen to navigate, but uh, he done well in the main. Uh, the problem was out on that left-hand side, it's a free kicks given. And again, it's poor. It's a back post headed down and mm-hmm. turned in at close range, which is annoying. And then a little one-two at the same side, Pedsy side. Again, they play round him. Jordan Hugo gets across Mark Roberts again. He hardly put a foot wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a smart finish. And then you're staring down the barrel. You're 2-1 down, 20 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go, thinking, is this the game that we finally get beat? But Enter Scott Hogan. This is, you know... Yeah, everyone talks about how resolute this team are, but we've got a goal scorer in the ranks. And uh, yeah, set piece. They hi- highlighted that was a, there was a frailty in, among the QPR defending from set pieces. Gardner with the flick on, Hogan there at the right place to to turn it in. And then we should have had a we should have had a third. But yeah, it's uh, we've had our grievances about officiating yeah. in this division. 
So uh, we'll move on. Listen, coming up, we'll talk a bit about, as we speak, it's last night, as this goes out two nights ago, Leicester at the King Power. Um, an impressive, especially in the first half, performance against a team fighting for a Champions League place. We'll discuss that in a moment. And also, we'll discuss our number six hmm. returning to the fall. But let's have a word with one of the top performers this season. In fact, not just this season, since we signed him in 2017. Yeah, Maxime Collin joining us on Blues Talk. Um, Maxime Collin's a player who, when he first joined, I don't think many Blues fans would have been too aware of him. Mm -hmm. I know there'll be one or two who'll say, yeah, I'll, you know, he was at Brentford and he's a decent fullback. But even for me, when we caught new wind that he was coming in on transfer deadline day, you'd have to do a bit of a Google search and a bit of research into yeah. who he is. But, I mean, what an immaculate performer. One of the fittest in the squad. Uh, so consistent, very rarely below a seven and a half, eight out of ten every week. Uh, formed, you had to have partnerships up ahead of him. Of course, it was Hotter and you know, Dan Crowley early in the mm -hmm. season. Jeremy Bayer's come in as well. Gary Gardner sometimes is forced out on that right hand side. But um, everyone was talking early on about how good Wes Harding has been. He's unfortunate that he's found himself behind Maxim Collin, mm -hmm. given how good he's been. But yeah, good to pick the brains of Max. It's a fantastic story of how the French academy system works and schooling system works and how he's almost been an unknown quantity in his own country, let alone here. But yeah, great, great character. And um, yeah, he had a little chuckle, didn't he? So he was, he was good to have on the, the podcast. So from the man himself, Maxime Collin on the Blues Talk Podcast. The Blues Talk Podcast. Maxime Collin, thank you for joining us here on Blues Talk. You were telling me you listen to every episode. Oh, <laughs> it's big in France, isn't get it? the podcast. <laughs> Huge French following here yeah. on Blues Talk. Yeah, um, yeah but it's just a good opportunity to get you in the season and have a more relaxed chat about okay. your career, how you came to playing professional football and ended up here at the best club in the world. So. Good, good, good. <laughs> uh, so Max, take us, I think, take us back to the very beginning of your footballing career, um, when you first started kicking a ball and when you sort of fell in love with football. So I started really early, six years old, like my dad was a, was a, a coach at the, the, local, mm -hmm. the local football Football, football club mm -hmm. uh, so it was like two minutes walk from my house so I start there play there until 13 years old and then um, I end up like playing slowly like alway, always like in small team but always a little bit a step better than each year than each year so I've done quite many club around my uh, around my uh, my village like maybe five or six club but always like one step uh, and then the big jump was um, the big jump when when I signed. Uh, so someone someone saw me play uh, when I was uh, 18 years old, and he said to me, "Oh, let's come to to our club." It was a professional, uh, a young professional club, Boulogne-sur-Mer. It was in second division, yeah. and they just got promoted. So it was really like a, a professional club, but really like a low standard, I would say. Yeah. So they say, "Oh, do you want to come with our B team?" So it was not even with uh, with the main team, uh, just just to like have a try and. In France, uh, when at 18 years old, you have like um, you need to have a degree, and then you and once you have this degree there, like you can you can work. And you, so my mom said, oh, you need to have this degree, and then maybe you can wow. after like try your luck. So as soon as I had this degree, and then this guy came and said, oh, do you want to come to our club? So I try my luck mm -hmm. because it was a professional, a professional club. I, I tried. So the first year I played with the B team, always in the B team, but did a good year, and then the following year the manager said, oh, uh, you will come with a professional group now. And uh, yeah, after five, I think after five, five game in, the, the right back was injured. Then I came in and then never left, uh, no. never left that. So yeah. you were playing alongside Salim for a degree? 
or who, Susan? So no. you you had to study for a degree. Yeah, while exactly. Playing while football. playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I, and even though like, so I was uh, so I played two years in Boulogne, then two years in uh, Troyes, which was in uh-huh. first division, so which was really a lot more professional. Yeah. I was still studying. Uh, it was <laughs> it, it was still part time, so it wasn't. Uh, yeah. uh, I was actually. A f- Wanted to be a physio before to, to before to become a football wow. player. So so I, I in France I still have my first year of physio. So <laughs> can you go back and do that? Well, now? after five years you lose you you lose ah. the degree. So now that I've been away for five years, I, I lost it. But uh, if the football uh, an injury or something would have happened, I would have come back to that. But uh, yeah, the football it's it was always a dream. But I never think uh, I could uh, I, I would have make it like yeah. uh, it was. Uh, it was in a in a, some part of my head, but when I was young, like yeah. because I I don't come from a, from a school from football like Jeremy is coming from, like right. all the French players who become professional come from a school. So like since twelve years old, you're already in a school. Like okay. you're already ready. It's not like in England, in France. It's you since two twelve years old, you go to a special uh, a special school, school, yeah, sports school to become professional. So okay. it's really like uh, very young. So I end up like arriving in the professional world only at eighteen years old, which was yeah. A bit old for for that, but I, I make I, I make my way through. But it was like a, it was a long way before before that. So that's why when I see a Jude Bellingham at sixteen, <laughs> like being there, it's it's mad. When I when I see when I was at sixteen years old, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I was like uh, playing local in a. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so yeah, no. It's the same as when we had Mark Roberts in yeah. that very chair. When you were telling that story, Mark Roberts, obviously a player who was having to go from non-league club to non-league club, slowly getting yeah, making yeah, his way yeah. up the pyramid. Do you think that's benefited you now? Oh, hundred percent. I I would I wouldn't change anything. Uh, I, I've learned a lot of a lot of things. Not 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 mainly like football, but uh, in the in the general life. Like yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't have if I would have come from from the school. I think so. Yeah, no, very happy to come for, to to make my way in alone huh, because mm-hmm. it's uh, it was really uh, coming from so far. You you just gradually go up and up and up and up mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, no, very. I wouldn't change anything. Was there any players that you played with that also made it as a professional when you were coming up? No, 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 uh, no, no. Everyone. Uh, Everyone that I know who become professional near my area in in north of France, uh, they all they all uh, they all come from uh, like uh, the big club around the around the local uh-huh. village. So no, no, uh, I don't know anyone coming from. Uh, th- then you have like well known like Mathieu Mathieu Valbuena in France yeah, is, yeah. is quite famous. He come from the same like, but not from the north of France. He come yeah. from South. So I don't know any, but I know a few of them like Frank Ribéry as well. He come from like nowhere and then you end up like uh, playing so there is few examples obviously but uh, not many so when you go home are you like you haven't got like a church named after you or like a bench or anything do you are you not like well, the, the sportsman who made it out <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we, I, I look after the the, the, the the small club where I uh, where I used to play before Anzin Saint-Aubin it's called it's where I where my parents still live so nice. I'm look after them so they actually came to the to the to the to the game against Cardiff so nice. it was yeah 80 people of them coming to oh, nice. so I manage everything uh, it was a two-day trip like uh, it was 30 children coming <laughs> here so so yeah, no, we have a tournament. Uh, so now I look after I look after them. We do a lot of uh, a lot of events, and uh, yeah, no, I don't forget where I come from. This is a good thing as well. When you when you come from all this uh, from all this club, you 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 get a lot of good contact with everyone, and uh, yeah, keep in touch. And then the French boy leaves for Belgium. Yeah, then this was a big step. Uh, 
so when I was in France, I was really like uh, the young player. Uh, I, I still make the French team. So we did the World Cup under 20. So it was like a big thing with Griezmann, Lacazette. Like it's where really like uh, I really, uh, everyone start to, to, to know me. But still, because it's really a lot, the mentality in France is really like, uh, oh, where is he from? So if you're from uh, Lille, then uh, normally you should be in the, 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 in the club of Lille and then uh, get More professional with them. And then so. But because I come from nowhere, it was a bit like, oh, where is he from? So I, uh, mm -hmm. in France, I don't, uh, I wouldn't say that I have a big, uh, a big name or reputation. like, yeah, a big reputation. They yeah. don't really know me. Uh, they don't many, they don't really know me. Uh, but once I, I get my move to Anderlecht, then it was a big step forward where uh, people start to say, okay, then yeah, it's, they start yeah. to know me and uh, Anderlecht is, is, is the biggest club in, in Belgium. So, yeah. so then, yeah, I would say it was the big, the big step forward. Um, I had the opportunity to go to this very good club. I, mm -hmm. I still keep a lot of good memory there. Uh, played the Champions League, played the Europa League. Uh, uh, I was still 22 at the time, yeah, so yeah, yeah no, it was, was amazing. Coming at Arsenal, uh, playing Dortmund, Galatasaray, uh, playing Dynamo Moscow away. Like he was. Did uh, anyone give you the runaround? <laughs> Did any players? Uh, no, you can be honest, Max. Yeah, no, it was okay. It was okay. I, 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 I didn't dominated. Play. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't play. I didn't play every game. Okay. Uh, I came on against uh, against Dynamo Moscow, against playing against Valbuena at the time yeah, with yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Dynamo Moscow. So yeah, no, it was, and also like I learned the the way how to win because like during the, the season you lose maybe only four games. Right. Uh, so like when you lose a game in Anderlecht, it's a big big uh, crisis almost. Like mm -hmm. you, you're not allowed to lose. So it was really uh, it was a big things for me like to to see how like you lose a game. It's really a big. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, so it's, it's a problem if you, yeah, the panic sets in. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really like something like it's, they're not used to. Like yeah, yeah like I said, you lose like. Uh, uh, three four game uh, three four game three four game a season so yeah. then it's uh, I played also the, the final of the, the the Belgium Cup so it was also a big uh, a big things for me at the time so yeah no on the was a big step forward training ground amazing like uh, a big big club so it's really where I learned really what uh, mm. it was a step forward in the in the, cl the the club that I that I've done so yeah no uh, signed a, a long deal there but then uh, Brentford came and. Uh, uh, I decided to come to to your lovely England. <laughs> <laughs> How was that for culture shock? The weather and everything over here. Oh, it, it's kind of the same because yeah. north of France, Belgium, north it's, Belgium, it's yeah. kind of the same. So this wasn't a big shock, and, <laughs> and actually it wasn't so far from me. Like London, it's only two hours of train yeah. from Lille. So, so you know, I've it's, I always play around. Still, uh, still now I'm not so so far from where where, yeah. where I used to be. So even though I don't come back so often, but. Uh, so you know, the, the, it wasn't such a big shock. Um, uh, it wasn't such a big so uh, a big shock, but uh, yeah, no. So the my aim was to 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 come to to play to the Premier League. So I was thinking maybe with the Championship, it would be a yeah. a, a bridge yeah. a bridge easier to, uh, to to come. So that's why I, I, I signed for for Brentford. First year was really good. Uh, I I had a, a little injury with my with my knee, which I was. Uh, I was uh, I was out for for a few for for a few few months, but then uh, no did a good season. Then I had uh, an opportunity maybe to go to Watford, who was mm -hmm. in the Premier League at the time. So it was really a it was really a big uh, a, a big miss for me, I would say at the mm -hmm. time. So I miss I miss my moves, uh, and then I stayed in Brentford. Did did they? Agree a move for you to go. So it was so my agent was was going there to okay. to talk and everything, but uh, 
the, the, the fee wasn't agreed uh, right. together. So, so that didn't happen? So it didn't happen. Also, like I've signed a four-year deal in Brentford and uh, I only stayed, uh, it was only the, the, the first year. So then I stayed second year. Uh, played yeah 40 games then it was uh, it was it was really a full a full season uh, uh, so yeah no really enjoy my time Brentford uh, uh, lots of good memory there uh, uh, I played almost like when I was fit I played every game yeah. uh, I did I did good performance as well so and then yeah people in England started to 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 know me and uh, mm -hmm. and then I I, I came to <laughs> To Birmingham City, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, um, obviously Brentford uh, pride themselves on their recruitment and doing their homework on players. Did you know much about Brentford at all? When not at all, in? not at all. Actually, when I when I signed, uh, uh, so my agent called me and says that I, I heard Brad, Brad Ford. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then I went, I went online when he told me this, I said, Brad Ford? Oh, it's, I, I saw league it was, two football. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a League One, I think, at the time. At the time, it was League One. So then I was thinking, oh, League One, third division. I said, oh, it's strange to go to third <laughs> why, why, why is he calling me to go to third division in, 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 in England? Maybe that's where he rated you at the time. Yeah, it? maybe. I don't know. So, so, so I was a bit like, oh, I, I will wait and see. Then he called me back. And then I said, oh, yeah, but this club, it's like a third division. He said, no, no, it's a, it's a second division. It's in London, everything. It's a brand Ford. I said, oh. <laughs> Do you have a clue about uh, yeah. about the club everything? And, yeah. yeah, no, no, didn't have a clue of anything. So, went to visit the the training ground. It was a big shock as well because the training ground is really not. Yeah. Um, it's quite small, not a big building. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. really not. And coming from Andalek, it was a big. Uh, with Andalek, it was a brand new. Uh, so it was yeah. But then once, well, this is all the the the, the exterior. But uh, you once you really meet the people when you go a bit deeper in what they are doing and everything, then yeah. I really get. Uh, get seduced and then I uh, I sign uh, I sign with them uh, but yeah no at the beginning uh, coming there didn't didn't know anything about yeah. uh, about them and yeah I remember sitting in this very training ground when we had we signing it was like another one's coming yeah. in another another player another like, okay, Brentford player okay another <laughs> Brentford player it's Maxime Collins so we were then googling Maxime Collins I thought oh, okay and um, yeah, bought you in what was a crazy transfer window. There was that many players, I think, joining the same window as you did. Yeah, no, no, last day of the market. Yeah, uh, it was talking like the last maybe uh, five, six days before only. So it was really late uh, as well. Um, Brentford didn't didn't really want to to let me go at the time. Uh, but yeah, the. The thing is, Brentford like uh, they, they always sold the the, the the best player after each market. So I was starting to get a bit tired of that. Like mm -hmm. you always, you do a good season and you think, oh, let's build for next season. Yeah. With uh, we keep the best and then we we add some some player and then we you build and then you can push. But every year they were ending selling all the best players. So I was a bit tired of this. So mm -hmm. so so I, w I, w I really pushed my move. Uh, mm -hmm. I really pushed my move to to, to Birmingham, which was a in Birmingham, it was the the, the opposite. Like Hota uh, yeah. for me was a big thing because in um, in Brentford it was really the best player. Everyone was thinking, oh, let's let's if Hota stay in Brentford, then we we will build a, a good team and everything. So then he left and <laughs> finally he signed he signed here. So you could tell the difference mm -hmm. uh, with uh, with a club who want to sell and the other one who want to mm -hmm. buy the, the the best element. So. It didn't work out really well for him here, but you could tell that the club uh, want uh, want really to yeah. the ambition was there. The, the ambition to the, the ambition to get promoted is, is there, so that's why. Uh, and I still think the, the ambition is here today, mm. so that's why I, uh, I I resigned here as well in uh, in Birmingham. And, mm. uh, 
yeah, you will have my name again for, for <laughs> maybe a while. Stuck with you now, aren't we? We can't get rid of you <laughs> yeah, for now. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Let's see. How do you sort of reflect on your time here up to this point? I mean, you've gone straight in, I think, and played a hell of a lot of games in the, the few seasons that you've been here as well, So, which is a, obviously a big positive. Yeah, yeah, over like it's only been, let's say, yeah, two, two years and a half, but I've played <laughs> over over 100 games now. So, yeah, no, it's a... Uh, I really loved it the, 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 since the beginning. I've, uh, I've, I've done some good performance and everyone was on board with me as well. So uh, I did a good, uh, a good start, so which, which was, it's always better like that people uh, start to, to, to know you. And uh, no, no, really, uh, obviously uh, the first year with a lot of, uh, of new manager, it was, uh, it was a, bit, a bit hard. Like I said, you, I believe if you want to get promoted, you get uh, you need to have a stability, keep, keep your main player, then uh, build around them, and then get promoted. Like uh, Chef United uh, did, uh, like coming from League One as a fifth in the Premier League, you can it's a, yeah. it's a really a model of uh, of success. So so that's why I um, the first year, yeah, the, the stability uh, unfortunately wasn't uh, wasn't there. Uh, I know that uh, was it's what we are trying to to do, like mm -hmm. to. To, to build uh, to, to build a team so I, I still hope we can uh, we can manage to do that and like I said I I've committed a lot more to, to, to this club because I still believe we can uh, we can achieve this mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah I'm, but yeah no very very happy uh, uh, lo love the love the area uh, my family is happy here uh, mm -hmm. so yeah no no everything everything is good just uh, need to go to, to get back to the Premier League and um, and it would be really perfect. Yeah, like you say, like we say, with so many games and in, in recent weeks, I know we were talking just before we came on about having to play through sometimes little niggles, little injuries and stuff, and that's been the case for you in recent months as well. Yeah, so I've been uh, the, the last four five weeks. I had a problem with uh, with my groin a little bit, like uh, Robo and Harley had last year. They, mm -hmm. they had to have a, a surgery during the during the summer, so it was a big uh, a big worry for me at the when I. When I wake up in the morning and I felt this, uh, so yeah, all the symptoms was uh, was similar to, to what they've got. Uh, luckily for me, it wasn't as bad as they, and uh, uh, with a lot of rehab. So yeah, it's been it's been I would say five weeks. I've done uh, rehab every day to to, <laughs> to get better and to really. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a case of do I play with the pain and uh, not being as sharp as I could be. Mm -hmm. um, or but or, or, or I stop and uh, I just stay in the gym and get get fitter and then come back. So played played Nottingham. I remember being uh, be, being really in pain. But then because we've been under un unbeaten run as well, we okay. I wasn't at my best, but the team was still performing uh, performing okay. So if would, if would, if if it would be another case, maybe I would have uh, I would have need to stop. But uh, because the team was doing okay, then mm. I just carry on and. Uh, uh, carry on playing with 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 the pain, which wasn't uh, wasn't great at all. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I wasn't at my best. Uh, but uh, but luckily, uh, the, the the rehab really worked. And um, against Millwall, uh, the, the week of Millwall, I already felt at training I was a lot better. Yeah. Then play Millwall was was fine. So I was like, oh, is this behind me, or is this, or, or, or <laughs> he will he will come back and. So then, then I wait a little bit, but then the, the, the next uh, the next week after Millwall was uh, no reaction, nothing, and then played Queens Park and uh, was feeling very very good. So, 
Touch wood. Yeah, touch wood. Okay. Uh, I think I think it's behind me now. I'm still really aware about it, and yeah. I, I I I don't uh, I don't jump and say. Yeah, yeah. But but I think it's behind me, and uh, I look for so. It's it's also something very good because now it's almost like I've been injured and out <laughs> of the team and then it's more, almost like I'm so I'm really like when I'm on the pitch I'm really fresh and yeah. really happy to be back and <laughs> which I which I haven't I yeah. didn't left but uh, so it's a bit funny it's a bit a paradox but um, you yeah, know happy to happy to be pain free now and yeah. to and to play this 10, uh, 10 12, 11 game. Uh, before the end of the season, uh, of the season yeah. with, a, with a full a full blast. Weird question. Does your physio background kind of help you know your limits a bit more when it yeah. comes to stuff like that? Could you like you're di qualified. diagnose yourself? <laughs> ah, yeah, so you know, I, 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 know, uh, I know, I know quite a bit, but uh, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I'm still, uh, <laughs> Leave that to the experts. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I'm still, I'm still trusting them, and yeah, uh, yeah no, I haven't been injured a lot uh, since I'm here in Birmingham, so yeah, no, it's a big credit to them as well. Mm -hmm. I spoke. Uh, I speak a lot with uh, with them uh, about the physio, about the ma with the master, every, everyone, and uh, yeah, and also I I try to be the, the the fittest possible to for this league because it's a main attribute for the with, with the, the the number of game you've got. If mm. you if you fit, uh, it's already a big uh, a big thing to to go through the to to go through the season. Yeah, I remember watching preseason running. Maybe this summer or last summer, it was said Seds can run, can't he? Like you said, yeah, yeah. And maybe hotter the three that were, yeah, yeah, yeah powering yeah. forward. So you clearly pride yourself on your conditioning. Oh yeah, that. yeah, no, no. I uh, I'm always in a I'm always in a good, uh, good I've always been a good runner. Uh, yeah. I used to do like cross country when I was young and everything. So no, I my physique always been uh, yeah. I've always been a, a good uh, a good quality for me. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, I. Uh, but yeah, you can always improve. So like, I'm I'm already thinking about this summer. Like, I need to I need to work on this and mm -hmm. this and make sure that next year we're still even better mm -hmm. and everything. So yeah, no. Uh, uh, but yeah, no. This was a bad uh, a bad period. But uh, hopefully now it's uh, I see the end of the of the tunnel. <laughs> on a more positive note, six assists for the season. Maxine Collin, look at him sitting there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is what's really like. Uh, I remember still, and during the the, the preseason, I was uh, I was uh, I was speaking with Pep, and uh, I was also like reflecting to my uh, to my time in uh, in Birmingham the last two years, and it was really a one uh, one main objective. My main objective, I would say, was really to give a lot of uh, to give a lot of assists because the way how we wanted to play and the way how Birmingham wanted to play, um, and also the, the 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 modern football need need to attack now, so. Mm. Uh, you know, I've been working a lot of it, uh, and you know, so a, a lot of work, a lot of thought about it, and you know, now I'm uh, six assists, so <laughs> I, I still, I still want to add uh, to add a few, a few more. I don't, I don't take the set pieces as well, so it's a little wink there. Yeah, by okay. <laughs> it's a good, uh, it's a good record for a fullback if you look at the at the other fullback in the championship. Uh, no other fullback has six yet. Uh, right foot back? No, I don't think so. Okay. No, no, no. We'll you you can you can check that. We'll check that. Almost six or six and a goal. It's uh, yeah. It's quite good for a full back normally. So, well, you can always uh, you can always improve. Uh, you can improve everything. But this was uh, one of the the things that I wanted to improve. So I'm quite uh, I'm quite glad for for this. Yeah. Where was your one goal this season? 
Blackburn at home, one nil. Ah. Uh, header, back post. Oh, what a move! Yeah. What a great move! Yeah, yeah you yeah. headed him from like six yards out. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a great. Uh, yeah, it was at the beginning of the season where we were playing a bit more football, yeah. and uh, that was a, a goal who resumed, who summed up quite well the way how we how we how we were playing at the time. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Did did I read that you were a striker as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a predatory instinct. Predatory instinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was a, I was a striker uh, when I was young, uh, and then we were around sixteen. I, I, I went for, I went for right back. But uh, yeah, no, it's funny. I, I remember. So I used to, I used to play. So they used to do in France like um, a selection of the best player of the North Pat, uh, of of North Pat Calais. We call it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, like a, a region. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a selection with a lot, a lot, a lot of players. Uh, wanted to be in this team and uh, so it was a lot of different team and then in my team uh, the, the, the coach said oh the one of the right back was supposed to be here but uh, he's, he's sick or something uh, do someone want to become uh, to, to play right back for the for just for the test and not even for the selection so it mm-hmm. was for the for the test and everything I don't know why like a little voice inside me say oh you need to you need to <laughs> raise your hand so I just raised my hand strangely like because I was I was playing number 10 at the time scoring, scoring some goal and everything so I just raised my hand, played right back for the test, played amazingly, uh, being selected for the squad, and wow. uh, being selected for the squad, then playing right back, and then uh, uh, people seeing me playing at this post, and it's 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 playing right back that then I, I did my I did my career. So yeah, no, it's just a little moment. Yeah. That, uh, your career could have been so different. Oh yeah, yeah, I could have. Not no. make the selection yeah. or yeah. make the selection and be striker scoring goal and uh, then be like Vardy. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, no, you the, the uh, well, when you see the Kayan, the the, the 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 beginning of my years, I was really like into football, like need to play game, play game, and everything. Now, like I'm a bit older and uh, I start to to look at what I've done as well, and uh, yeah, it's sometimes in career like that you have few moments where uh, you mm. need to. To, it's, it's 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 a small moment, but we make, we make a big change. Yeah, and yeah. it's quite funny. Significant. To see that. Yeah, exactly. Significant so moment. yeah, sometimes to think about that, it, uh, it, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the French connection of players at every club. So whether it be at Anderlecht, Brentford, at Birmingham, there's always oh, in yeah. England and Belgium, I suppose, a collection of French-speaking players. Does that help make you feel at home? And do you find yourself gravitating oh, yeah. towards the French oh, French yeah, yeah, boys? Yeah, a lot more. Like, so in Birmingham, the first year we didn't have many. It was uh, it yeah, was, who did Max? Yeah, yeah, just Max. So he was uh, he wasn't uh, he was okay, but he wasn't like when when I first came to to, to Brentford, it was really good. We were five of us. Right. So yeah, no, you could really tell. Uh, so we, we we are really well with all the English, obviously, but mm. to have a little, uh, obviously, we are closer from uh, fr- from them. So mm. uh, one of the of the player is still my really good friend, uh, Johan Barbet uh, yeah, yeah. from Brentford. So yeah, no, we. Because we are another country, so it's almost like our little family. And uh, mm. so now it starts. So so now in, in Birmingham at the moment, we ca- we quite have a lot of, uh, of French speaking with the yeah. Sheikh, uh, Jeremy. Uh, yeah. We have Moose at the moment, who, who is in the trail. So yeah. you know, you can definitely say it's a, it's a, it's a really good things to have. And uh, uh, yeah, no, it's it's really good. Is there much difference between the French and the English? In terms oh. of the culture and how you do things or what? Because uh, your food isn't as good as us. Yeah, no, obviously <laughs> the food is better. Uh, say with a straight face. <laughs> no, no, yeah, sorry. yeah, no, I would say like well, when I first arrived to the country, you arrive in England, you need to respect all the rules that you have yeah. here and everything. You, 
it's yeah there is quite uh, there is quite uh, some difference sometimes it's funny with uh, when i speak with uh, with juki i say oh you you are doing this this way oh, i wouldn't i wouldn't think that so <laughs> so so we just compare and it's just different but yeah you can you can tell that there is like even with but i would say with the, not only with the french like i'm speaking with skiff sometime and like uh, Dutch, yeah so he's, he's it's more like all the foreign we kind of the same okay. mentality uh, and uh, the english like we were talking about the horse racing about uh, so we don't have a clue about what, what, what's going on. And like Keith today was saying, oh, do, do you know that much about horse racing? I said, not at all or anything. <laughs> so yeah. the darts, uh, all this stuff. They all like play every day about that. I, I, don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's few, it's few things. Uh, you, you could tell that uh, it's, not, it's not the same, but it's uh, as long as you respect uh, the, the way how it is and the people respect as well the people, then it w we have great time. And I think at the moment it's what what's going on at the at the minute and at, at in the dressing room is what we are building uh, a really good uh, really good relationship with everyone. Mm -hmm. Lastly, for me, I just wanted to talk about the um, the running last like you say last ten games of the season. Now we are in a position where. You know, you find yourself away from the relegation zone enough, but they're not quite close enough to the top six. Is it just the case of taking it one game at a time, as Pep says, and picking up as many points and just seeing where it takes us come the end of the season? Yeah, yeah, obviously, like, we don't want to, like, oh, be safe and then doing nothing. So, mm -hmm. no, no, we, we'll, uh, we really push until the end. Uh, um, we, we, we want to win every game. And, uh, like you said, uh, Villa have been in a run in a... Mm -hmm. 10 game and then they make the playoff. Uh, if we win the last 10, we might have a chance. So mm -hmm. you, you never know, but then you might as, as well lose the 10 and be in the relegation zone. So, no, no, I think it's the, the best way. And I think even like, not even the 10 last game, we should, I think the, the, the good way for me is to start the, the season with taking each game after game and giving your best, uh, giving your best for for each game. So, so yeah, no, we, we really look forward for this uh, for, for this game and to we have an unbeaten run now. We need to, to carry that the, the long the longest way we can. Mm -hmm. Is Christian Pedersen challenging Maxim Collin for an attacking style fullback in recent weeks? Because it it's used to be shout. that Max would known as the attacking one, but Pez now, now has come over the halfway line. He's having a look, thinking <laughs> I can do that as well. Yeah, yeah, no. If we you have some stats, and if you look at the the fullback uh, who in, involved in most goal at uh, the moment, uh, Christian and me, we are quite. Uh, yeah. I think we are the best in the championship uh, in terms of numbers. Uh, he scored he score a bit more goal than me, Christian. Uh, but he's going on. It's a challenge that. <laughs> he loves the set pieces. Look at that. <laughs> I'm sitting back on set pieces. So I don't. I can't, I can't have a little. Uh, does it worry you sometimes that we've left some just you back and the uh, it's, a, it's a new way now it's a it's a new way of uh, but yeah no i'm not i'm not sorry uh, mm. i know that people will come uh, come help me and uh, mm -hmm. i will i will but yeah no we we win a lot of a lot more second ball around the box uh, right. this way and uh, uh touch wood we haven't conceded yet yeah. uh, a goal from uh, from set pieces yeah and, uh, so yeah no hopefully we'll uh, we'll keep going but yeah no uh, chris and me we Scoring some goal for the team this season, so it's going to be bombing forward now to get up the yeah, scoring yeah, chance. Yeah, he's going to be shooting from the halfway line. <laughs> <right, laughs> listen, if you don't try, listen, Max. Before we let you go, a few questions from Twitter. So you're not at the woods just yet. Uh, first one. This is from Viva CB, and he says, "Who are your right back heroes?" Right back heroes. Uh, I would say uh, Sagnol. Willy Sa Sagnol. Yeah, Willy Sagnol. He was really. Uh, when I was young, he was really and and Lilian Thuram as well because he scored uh, 
the two goal in the in the semi final for mm -hmm. the for the eighteen ninety eight World Cup when we won it in France. So yeah, no, it was really the two uh, the two main uh, fullback. I think we might have an answer to this one already, but I'll ask it. It's from Az, and he says, if you could play in any other position on the pitch, where would you play? Uh, left back. Think, done that before. Yeah, you think yeah, about I've that top it. goal scorer? <laughs> yeah, now. yeah, I've done it. Left back. Uh, yeah, maybe a bit, uh, a bit uh, up forward in the pitch, and uh, but yeah. Could you still do a job? Yeah, I don't know. If you, <laughs> if you would put me in number ten, maybe I can. Do <laughs> I could do something, but yeah, you know, it's funny how you see like uh, because when I was when I was playing forward, like I was shooting a lot more and mm -hmm. uh, I was uh, I was a lot more technical than I am now so I've kept uh, but I'm, I'm a lot more physical now that I'm a right yeah. back like the tackling and everything side of it that I didn't have before mm. uh, but yeah it's funny how you how you see like just a position change all your ability uh, because yeah. you don't train the same and uh, mm -hmm. you don't play the same so yeah no I think I'm a fullback for life now <laughs> <laughs> tattoo that yeah um couple more Blue Nose Geo says what's your favorite thing about the city of Birmingham uh, where, where we live, uh, where we live, we because in the, now that I have a kid, it's really uh, like London. I wouldn't yeah. like to live in London. Mm -hmm. It's too busy. So I would say like it's chill. It's where mm -hmm. where I live. I can almost every day do a, log, a walk with my 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 three years old kid. Like it's just you can. It's it's this peaceful that uh, that that I've got. And then if if I want to do stuff, uh, then you go to the city center and it's it's really lively and uh -huh. there is a lot of good uh, a good thing in the city center. So I would say that you have both like. Being the chill and the yeah, best of both nice worlds. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, Sean says, apart from at Blues, who's the best player that you've played with? On the spot now. <laughs> yeah, uh, the best player I would say. Uh, but now I, I played with Griezmann at the time. He wasn't as good as so we wouldn't say he was. He was gonna go uh, like. Where was where was that Max? Where did you play with Griezmann? Uh, the World Cup under twenty, the yeah. inter, with with the French team. So with Lacazette, Griezmann, uh, Kakuta at the time. Gael Kakuta, Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. So Gael Kakuta at the time was was the main the main yeah. player. Like was really amazing. But now when you see Griezmann, like he's been third, I think in the the the, the world the, the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Uh, so crazy to see the way he's done uh, and Golo Kante I've, I've played with as well when you see won won the World Cup yeah. and the big player he became so but yeah at the time you wouldn't say you wouldn't say at the time would say Kakuta he was the, the, the best the yeah. best player but yeah no when you see uh, Griezmann I would say no yeah. yeah it's not a bad list of players no. though is it? <laughs> decent never heard of him um, and then this one isn't really a question but it's from Stu Perry and uh, he wants to let you know that he's named as Pet Bearded Dragon, Maxime Collins. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, nice <laughs> Thought I'd share that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Max, really appreciate your time. Thank yeah. you for taking us through uh, your career and hopefully yeah, we'll get the success whilst you're here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. The Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning. Could have been in our dugout as a physiotherapist. Yeah, I played with Griezmann and all these players. He's really nice. No one anyone's heard of. I find it really interesting how... Um, if you know you didn't go to a certain sporting school in France, mm -hmm. that you're pretty much unknown. So even though he's linking up with France under twenties or you know a youth development age, they were all turning to each other and going, "Who's this? Who's this boy right back yeah. to the north of France?" Because he was. He thinks he's a striker. Yeah, he was unknown. But one of the uh, yeah one of the the great things about Maxime Collin is mm -hmm. just his pride in, and professionalism. You know, he's talking about the fact that he's recognised his form hasn't been there in the past couple of months and. When you're carrying out a groin injury that Harley Dean had, it, it's clearly affected his performance. And what a measure of the man is, he's waiting until he's fully fit 
to tell anyone. Quite easy, could come out and make excuses about his yep. performances over the past month or so. I think a lot of people have noticed he's not quite been, you know, all guns blazing, and, and we've seen that consistency that's synonymous with Maxim Collin hasn't quite been there. But when you think he, he, he valued himself at, you know, what, 60% or 40%, yeah. like he said, at Forest, and still manages to go and play in a winning side, uh, goes to show just the commitment to the cause. I just think he's a consummate professional. He's, he's the one of the healthiest. His diet's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Always at the front of the running, as we mentioned. And a consistent performer. He's a manager's dream, low maintenance, and a, a yeah, great guy to have on a podcast. Best right back in the championship? Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, you've got... Well, if you're going to say no... Then you have to name. Yeah, you've got names. to back it up. Yeah, you have to name some that are, that are better. So, I'm sure the top teams and leads like Luke Ayling and mm-hmm. the, um, those at the top will have an answer. But for me, I mean, over the course of two, three seasons, he's been consistent. Two seasons. Particularly hard to argue as well with what he said. Him and Peds as a fullback combination. For my money, certainly, there's not many better in the league. Yeah, yeah, no, he was pleased with the amount of assists he's getting. Christian Pedersen obviously scoring goals mm-hmm. as well, the two For of them. For fun. Yeah, and uh, they are two very different fullbacks. Christian Pedersen slowly, as we mentioned, getting forward more now. It comes it comes naturally to Max and Klein. That may well do it to do with his former striking past. But, um, yeah, no, I can't think of, of Matt. Matty Cash has had a good season. Yeah. Matty Cash has had a good season for Forest, even though he's a, yeah, he wasn't actually a winger by trade, dropped in there at fullback. But Max and, and Peds are right up there. Right. Let's go back to the King Power then. And a first half performance where we didn't look out of place at all. Yeah, I mean, you can see the, the team sheet, and uh, I think, you know, no Drew Bellingham was mm-hmm. announced the day before Rested, the game. Yep. So you you knew not to expect him. But then Kerry Morabti back in after a month on the sidelines for injury. I think he's only trained three times, so yeah. he wasn't sharp anyway. Michael Kiftenbell's first start in the ten and a half, nearly eleven months. So a huge ask for him. Head on a swivel, chasing around the likes of Madison. Um, Pratt was was impressive mm-hmm. on the night, I thought, uh, and Didi as well in the middle of the park. So outnumbered in there. Um, Harley Dean and Jake Clark, Sultan Mark Roberts is is on the bench, and uh, absolutely credit to him. I mean, Kerry Marabti in particular in that first half was picking up second balls and getting us up the pitch, linking up with Hogan and Lukas Jukovic. Um, Nikam didn't have a save to make in the first half. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought we defended, you know, you have to concede possession. I think at half time it was like 74% in favour of Leicester. Mm-hmm. Yet we had three or four. But you knew to four. expect yeah, that yeah, from Leicester. That, that's the thing. Like They're going to have the ball. They are a team who play for the third. Sionchu steps in and tries mm-hmm. to you know, outnumber you in the middle of the park. But when you think of the chances, Kerry Morabti has a big one where it gets blocked. Christian Pedersen one drops to him from a set piece. Lukas Jukovic, has Scott Hogan all involved. I mm-hmm. mean, we were the team at half time and you're thinking, I start you know, you start to believe at that point. Five thousand fans start to believe and uh getting at half time, first part of the job's done, get to the hour mark, you're thinking, right, come on then, can we can we go and nick it? And the only negative is the manner in which we conceded. Yeah. Disappointing. Lots of time to get that cross in. Yeah. From the, the um the from chill the bar line. Yeah, the Chilwell part. Uh, Gary Garner just comes on. Puts the pressure on him and Chilwell managed to go down the side, just hugs the touchline, and then Ivan Sunic tries to take him out. But if you're going to take him out, take him just out, just do it. Yeah, go and do it. And it is almost like he, ha- he he dangled out a leg to try and trip him, didn't get anywhere near. And then on the other side, wasn't it? Pedersen mm-hmm. goes to ground. It's a second attempt of a cross. I mean, Give Ricardo gets up and in, yeah. he gets up well and uses all of his body to really just guide it past Lee Camp. But you, you've defended for 81, 82 minutes so well. 
that the, the disappointment is that felt like an opportunity missed. But it is not. There's no shame whatsoever in that performance. You've gone to the home of the third place Premier League side who should get Champions League football this year, who were Premier League winners four years ago, mm-hmm. and given a really good account of yourselves. And I, I know some supporters feel like, as I've read a lot and spoken to a lot since, uh, we waited to go behind to give it a good yeah. go. I do think if we'd have gone toe-to-toe with Leicester, they'd have bopped us off the pitch. Yeah. This is a slick surface. They've got really good technicians. Madison showed his bits of quality at times. I thought Pratt was so difficult to mark. He moves all around the pitch. Wide areas, bags of pace. If it's not Damari Gray, Harvey Barnes can then get mm-hmm. thrown on. You know, If you try and play an expensive game against that sort of team, we, I think we'd have got picked off. So I, I appreciate the... You know, the viewpoint that we waited until the last 10 minutes, but we had to go for it then. And With fresh legs as well. Yeah, and you know, we are, we've carved out a chance. You know, mm-hmm. Jefferson Montero comes on and, and puts a cross in. And you think, the first, the header that goes yeah. up. I thought Lukas Jukovic, you see the big number 10. I'm getting mm-hmm. ready for him to power it in. And then it drops to Harley Dean. And then you think, go on and smash it in. Destined. And it gets blocked. And it just wasn't to be in the end. But yeah, give themselves a, a really good go. And uh, yeah, proud of the performance. Absolutely. It was agonising watching that Dean chance, though. From our viewpoint on the gantry, it was destined for that bottom corner. Kasper Schmeichel, I don't think, is getting to it. Mm. Extra time, which looked inevitable until the 82nd minute. Yeah. yeah. was uh, calling our name. But yeah, and, uh, it is one of those things. A draw for Chelsea at home, which would have been nice. Uh, just to reach like the latter stages of the FA Cup. You know, a lot of people, obviously, would love to see this, mm-hmm. this club reach the latter stages and dare to dream to lift a... The, the big the big FA Cup, but um, one of those things. One of those things. Well, you touched on him. Uh, back in the starting lineup, Michael Kiftenbauer after nine months away. Unbelievable. I mean, he's gone in there, outnumbered, like I say, and Didi, Madison and Pratt buzzing around. The the discipline alongside Ivan Sunic. I mean, there's two two better destroyers in there in the league. Absolutely. But the, the two of them <laughs> um, were really good in terms of you know, they knew how to slide across the pitch when the ball was being moved. They had their head on a swivel, making sure they starved uh, uh, striker. Ian Acho. Very good. Uh, it was only last night. Yeah. Uh, Ian Acho <laughs> starved him of the ball, um, forced Leicester around the outside. So Leicester liked to play through you with Madison and nice little interchanges, but didn't allow it. Shut the door on him and forced them out to Chilwell and, and Ricardo on either flank. And uh, Michael Giftenbell covered every blade of grass, put a couple of crunching challenges in, looked like he'd never been away. So he's great not changed. See, yeah, great to see him. And he, he's another one who could only play that way. He's not going to start dictating play from deep. He won't get on it and start spraying passes. It's not his, it's not his role. It's not what he's good at. We know what he does. Yeah, the fans and, love uh, it. Yeah, he saw a couple of those Michael Kifton bell challenges last night, which always raised the crowd, doesn't it? So And the players walking off as well to uh, his name being sung. Yeah. Leicester helping us out there with their PA system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, if you want to see more of Michael Kifton bell very exciting. Coming to Blues TV today as we speak. <laughs> Feels like it should be in a cinema, doesn't it? I think first in, hopefully, a long line of uh, Blues TV documentaries, Kifton Beld. Yeah. This has been a good little project for all of us, I think. On the slide yeah, for a couple of months. Yeah, all of us, I think, at Blues TV. Um, because, obviously, Michael Kifton Beld's a lengthy absence for him, and we know he's a fan favourite. And I think it was good just to document all the hard work that goes on behind the scenes, all the staff, the support that the club have given Michael Kifton Beld, but mm-hmm. also... What happens when nobody's watching? Michael Kiftenbeld has had nine months in the darkness, really, with the exception of you know, the last month or so, 23's games. Mm-hmm. And just to document, you know, operation straight after. The tackle itself, immediate response from from Pete Shaw, Dave Hunt. And then 
the long slog, the arduous hours and hours, days, weeks and months in the gym when all your teammates are going out playing, how that's affected a player like Michael Kiftenbelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, great work from you lads at Blues TV. Makes me feel, feel a bit weird saying that. So, yeah, great odd. work from you boys at Blues TV and Joe Pickering's taking a bit of a creative lead on it. Buzzing. Um, yeah, and just good to do a long-form documentary-style piece. Amazon Prime's been thrown in there, a bit of Netflix-style. I've heard style. Netflix a yeah, few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, um, But good to do that style, in-depth, going behind the scenes a little bit, speaking mm-hmm. to the people that matter and and showing a player who's gone through one of the you know, career-threatening injuries to now finally return into the first team. And Michael Kiftabell such an animated character. Like When he thinks about things, it's projected in his face. So yeah. You can see him beaming, like glowing when he starts to think about being back. It's great to see. And uh, yeah, I hope supporters like it. I think the video as well is testament to the man, isn't it? His character, um, the way he's dealt with this recovery. Because we had him on the podcast. Um, would have been last May now, just wouldn't it? Just before he went to Yeah, Holland. just before he went to Holland. So... Very, very early stages of rehab. Yeah. We got the kind of way he was thinking beforehand, um, how he expected it to go, what his kind of outlook was. And now, so you caught up with him in the video um, in the latter stages, just before he returned to 23's football. Yeah. And just seeing how that mindset hasn't changed. He's always been focused on doing what was right for his knee, doing what was right to just get back to full fitness. Yeah, and there's a, there's a, there's a real... Um, it's like there's a modest aspect mm-hmm. to Michael Kiftenbeld where he says, I don't want to keep talking about, you know, everyone's asking me how my knee and I really appreciate everybody asking how you're doing, but I want to get back and help the yeah. team out. And I think it just typifies him as a as a character. And you see that on the pitch, don't you? He's, he's just all for the cause. There's not a selfish bone in his body. And he's somehow, we've saying that, he said, I wanted my recovery to actually be all about me. So actually, yeah, he, he, he wanted to do everything that was right to get him back out onto the pitch. To and benefit uh, the team. Yeah, just, just to get himself back out there. Um, but you talk to I mean, we hear from, from Sean Rush and he comes out with some great sound bites about Keith in his very brash, northern, hard man style. Hard as nails, whole. Yeah. yeah. All, all. He's very sort of military fitness mm-hmm. man, isn't he, Sean Rush? So he told us he used to train, trained uh, Charles Bronson. Yeah, so. yeah. He's uh, yeah, mixed it with the best and the worst in his profession. But um, he comes out with some great stuff and they all talk about how positive he's been and how actually, you know, they spend a lot of time with each other. There hasn't been much friction. He's been quite easy to deal with. And even mentally, I think he's coped with it as well. He's taken a step back from football. And like he says, he's been playing football since he was able to kick a a ball, able to walk. So for him to be out of the game for so long, it's just giving him a different perspective on things. And Mm -hmm. now he can hopefully kick on again. and yeah, just great to see someone who uh, you know you don't begrudge a player of a career that he's had mm-hmm. because of what he's like. He's a smashing bloke. Available to uh, Blues TV subscribers exclusively until next Friday. Listen, if you don't already have a subscription, get one for this. It's worth a watch. Uh, be up on YouTube and Blues TV in a week's time, but you're going to want to see this now. Yeah. I think uh, big changes though at Blues Women. Uh, Marta Tejador has passed the company. Mutual terms of the club. Yeah, I think Blues women have just dropped into a precarious position, haven't they? The result against Bristol didn't go their way and they were looking at it, obviously, a real relegation battle on their hands. Still find themselves in a real dogfight and our hierarchy have obviously decided to make the decision. So, a bit of a change at the helm and Charlie Baxter mm-hmm. uh, was assistant with Mark Skinner. and Been at the club for years. With Marta as well, yeah. He knows the, the development side of things as well with the young girls coming up and... Um, 
knows the club really well. And now it's up to him, really, as at least initially on an interim basis, to try and get the girls just confidence back in, mm-hmm. back into the group. Because when you are down there and you're not getting results, uh, obviously good players lose confidence. And mm-hmm. there's enough quality in there to get Blues out of it, but clearly results haven't been going as um, as expected. So hopefully Charlie will go in and do a good job, lift everything, lift the mood, get all the girls sort of in, in, in a united front, get them all together, and start to just turn results a little bit. Yeah, two and a half massive months coming up in the FAWSL. But listen, massive moment for Charlie Baxter, <laughs> given the role of interim head coach for Blues Women. But then had to sit down with you and take on the quick fire questions. Yeah, it wasn't quite a grilling that uh, it'll get from yeah, the media. But uh, yeah, a few nice uh, answers. Very eloquent, Charlie Baxter. So a few interesting answers in there. The Blues Talk Podcast. Okay, well, I'm here with Charlie Baxter, interim head coach of Blues Women, and you are our latest victim of quickfire, Charlie, so uh, apologies before we start. Um, Nice, easy question to start off with. What music do you listen to to get you in the mood for a match day? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'd probably say, uh, sometimes I like to think, uh, people will probably disagree, but I like to think myself a bit of a music connoisseur. Okay. I like a bit of everything, to be honest. I think the main thing about music for me is if it's got a beat that I can sort of get into, then I'm very happy with Open. whatever it is, really, <laughs> whether it's Rihanna, Drake, whether it's a bit of 1975. I'm, I'm happy with a lot of music. Decent, yeah. Decent. Wide range. Um, Favourite restaurant to eat at? Oh, uh, again, good question. I'd probably say Wagamama's. Yeah, it's been a free. It's been a frequent answer on this um, yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, what was your karaoke song or initiation song? Uh, here, you can choose one. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Your karaoke song, if you had to choose one, and what uh, you're just testing the memory there. <laughs> so uh, my initiation song here, with FA Cup final, was Frank Sinatra did it my way. Class, gone yeah. big, yeah. went big early doors. <laughs> uh, have you got a middle name? Uh, well, yeah. Peter, which is my, my dad's name, so yeah. fairly standard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not going to get you bullied, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Favourite TV series? Oh, I think The Wire. Good. The Wire or Suits. Yeah, both. Suits has been on this yeah. before. Um, okay, what do you order from a coffee shop? Any variants? We've had different milks, we've had different syrups, we've had all sorts. I think I've only re- recently just joined like the coffee scene, okay. so I'm quite standard with what I do. I'd probably say a flat white or cortado from Costa are my typical orders. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's very standard. Yeah. Um, have you got a sporting hero and have you met them? Uh, I do have a sporting hero. Uh, I have not met them. Uh, and, and the late, great Kobe Bryant was one of my biggest no sporting heroes. Um, also, Dwayne Wade. I'm a big fan of NBA basketball. Because um, I think the athletes and the characters that you find within that sport are just really, really inspiring. Yeah, interesting. Because what the next question? Uh, American sports, yeah. uh, baseball, NFL, NBA. Do you follow any particular teams, or do you not care for any of it? Yeah, so I kind of have a, a sport uh, team that I follow for NFL and NBA. My NBA team is Miami Heat mm-hmm. because of Dwayne Wade. Um, so I follow them quite religiously. I'd probably say. My NFL team, I have some friends out in America that a few people would say should be a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Other people should say I'd be a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I'd probably say, because I'm a big Patrick Mahomes fan, Chiefs probably win it for me at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps the form they're in as well, doesn't it? Uh, okay, favourite cheat meal. So, you know, you don't fancy being too healthy today. What are you going to go and eat? 
I think it's just a pizza, to be honest, because <laughs> uh, you can just be so creative with it, can't you? Yeah. You know, it's really simple. You don't have to really do much cooking, um, and you can, depending on what mood you're in, you can put what toppings you want on it. Yeah. Favorite favorite pizza topping, or what type of pizza would you go for? Or if I had my choice, it would probably be. Again, I'll pick one from a restaurant that I quite like if I'm feeling particularly naughty. I'd probably say a Pizza Hut stuffed crust with just ham and extra cheese on it. It's just a timeless classic. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Favourite holiday destination? Um, oh, that's, a, that's a really good question. Uh, recently, I'd probably say Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what did you go dressed as to your last fancy dress party? Oh, you're really testing my memory there. I think... Well, what have you ever gone dressed as okay. to any fancy dress party? Okay, I think... Yeah, the last one I went to was probably... I was probably dressed as uh, Caesar a Rome, in a Roman tunic. Yeah, yeah. Kind of standard. It's a, that's a first, new entry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, which Hollywood actor would you choose to play yourself in a movie about your life? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. <laughs> so many. Um, uh Benedict Cumberbatch probably yeah yeah okay that is another new entry we've had a bit of Leo Leonardo DiCaprio we've had Brad Pitt we've had Denzel Washington a few times but Benedict Cumberbatch is a uh, a new one uh, favourite flavour ice cream oh can you have two flavours yeah, together we'll let you hybrid and we'll yeah. let you mix vanilla and chocolate <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> uh, do you have any tattoos no okay do you plan to have any Depends on what my partner says. What <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed. Yeah. Uh, what type of student were you at school? Um, I think at secondary school, I was. I thought myself a bit of a, a class clown. But I think by the time I got to college and went on to study in higher education, I knuckled down and actually became the, the class geek. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, it really did. Um, I certainly enjoyed my latter years of education rather than my formative. Yeah, yeah good. Uh, okay, last for you. What's on your bucket list? Oh, you know, I'm a massive, massive sports fan and, and there are a lot of sports teams and, and sport sporting icons I'd, I'd like to see play live. Uh, I'm lucky enough that I've seen Lionel Messi play and Cristiano Ronaldo play. I think LeBron James is on my, my bucket list to go and see him play an NBA game. Again, Patrick Mahomes in an NFL game would be pretty, pretty impressive. I wouldn't say I'm a huge golf fan, but seeing Tiger Woods play would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, in terms of like destinations, uh, yeah, I think I need to explore the world a little bit more. I, I've, I'd like to maybe do a, a road trip along the west coast of uh, yeah, America. That would be cool. Yeah, one for the summer maybe. Um, okay, a couple left. Um, okay, the biggest question and probably the most important question I'll ask you ever. The best way to eat chicken. Okay, so what part of the chicken? First of all, is it a breast, wing, thigh? What sort of part of the chicken and how is it marinated or how is it spiced? How, would you, how do you like your chicken? Okay, good question. I think the best way to describe this one in a way that, that everybody can relate to unless you don't like it, of course, is Nando's. And my typical order in a Nando's would be a medium butterfly chicken. So breast, yeah. no bone, get the sauce all over it, <laughs> make sure it's, it's succulent when you bite into it. Nice. Done. Job done. <laughs> Final two questions. What are your thoughts on fishing? Not fishing, industrial fishing, people who choose to spare their, spend their free time sitting next to a lake fishing. 
I think it's something I aspire to do when I'm older, certainly, because okay. it looks so relaxing. Yeah. Um, until the moment you actually have to pull one out of the water. And you sprung into yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, I could get into that. I think something I will do when I'm older. <laughs> Final question. Yeah. Uh, have you ever read a book cover to cover? And if many, what's your one that sticks out that you read from front to back and it's sort of your go-to book? Uh yeah, again, good question. I, I am quite an avid reader. I do like an autobiography. I'd probably say the, the best one, one of the best ones I've ever read um, was a book called They Haven't Learned Until You've Taught Them by John Wooden, who's a famous uh, college basketball coach out in America. I think the wisdom and me being so passionate about my craft as in coaching, was really related with me. A lot of golden nuggets in there. Um, you really got a feel for what the man was like and how he operated and and how prestigious his name is within the sort of coaching communi- uh, community. So, yeah, i I'd definitely read that again. I think if it's a more light-hearted one where you get a little tickle out of reading it, uh, I'm an Arsenal fan because I was born in Essex originally, um, Romford Pele about Ray Parler. Parler. I couldn't stop laughing. It's a great, great book for that. So those would be my two, I think. Brilliant. Charlie Baxter, thank you very much. The Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning. Charlie Baxter with the baptism of fire on the quick fire questions. But big couple of games coming up for Blues men as well. And I'll put a disclaimer in here before we talk about tomorrow's game. Uh, these are my better halves team. So she's going to stop listening now because I'm about to... Uh, Go on a bit of a tirade. Yeah. Listen, Reading at home. Uh, we discussed this last year. I'm not sure. What you got against the Royals, Cal? What is it? I just, I mean, on a personal, I used to work at the Medeci, so I spent more time one season there than I did here, despite mm. having a season ticket. So I think that kind of soured me a little bit. Um, they're a bit QPR, aren't they? They're just a carbon copy. Yeah, I'm sure they're me, a great club. Yeah, I don't know. For me, Reading are just a bit of like a... Hollow? Yeah. I don't feel... Have they got a rival? Oxford. Well, there we go, then. Yeah, for me, uh, tricky, though, because, I mean, they're f- I mean, Reading are obviously a team who we've got a result against at their place. I mean, mm. I think for the first half... Was, uh, no, One of our most best of the game, actually, yeah, yeah. For most of the game, we were, um, we were bang at it. But, you know, s- since then, they've been a bit of hit and miss around us in the table, aren't they? I think we're only a couple of points above them in the championship. Um, so they'll feel like they're still not quite out of it just yet. They'll want to pick up a few more wins. Mm-hmm. Michael Morrison, done us a favour. Fan at, of the podcast. Uh, done us a favour at, uh, at the Majeski. Um, we'll be back. But yeah, I mean, this, this is a chance off the back of a few draws in the league for us to have a real good go and try and yeah. get a win. Be nice. Yeah, we've been talking about an unbeaten run. Let's get back to winning ways on Saturday. It'll be be good. Let's take the game to to Reading I know we've had a midweek game against Leicester and a lot of hard yards put in but one or two bodies could come back into the side just to freshen us up again so mm-hmm. the benefit of them making changes at Leicester will hopefully be seen on, on Saturday against Reading let's go out really give it a good go stick it on Reading early on start quick set the intensity set a good tempo try and win the game replicate the game at the Medeski good to have Michael Morrison back by the way the only player who last season 
if we'd done our sarcastic, we know you're a big fan of the podcast. We went, yeah, actually. <laughs> I am, yeah. You know what? I haven't got a bad word to say about it. was a great Such leader a here. Man. Great captain as well. Real part of the dressing room. Brilliant to talk to off the pitch. Would always do a media duty, which helps me out personally. Mm-hmm. No matter whether we got zipped by five or whether we won and he scored. But, um, yeah, obviously chipped in a lot last year. Wasn't, you know, for whatever reason, the club made the decision not to keep him here. And um, I wish him the best to look after Saturday. Just watch him at corners. That's <laughs> the only thing for Saturday. Yeah. Can't have him bagging another. And then, big local derby. We're off to the Hawthorns. Um, mm. Nice midday Saturday kickoff. We all love them. Yeah, uh, obviously they are gunning for that top spot, aren't they? There's a bit of a buffer between themselves and third now. Lead sandwich between, between them. Uh, I think they are the probably the most consistent and best team on their day in the division. The quality around there, the Ingana, Pereira, Sawyers, Livermore, Austin done us here and mm-hmm. yet Charlie Austin's not been a key figure for them this you season. You bring him off the bench. It, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, they, they've got quality in their side and then to, that you bring in Grosicki and Robinson in, in the uh, January transfer window and I mean Slavan Bilic has got some some weapons at his disposal but you still got to get him to play and they play... Um, play good stuff at times but we gave them a right run for their money here I'd love us to go there and get a result it is a bit of a local derby though it's not the derby for both teams oh yeah early kick off um, so supporters are going to have to start a bit earlier but there we go looking forward to it the mm. match not the starting no. a bit earlier yeah, we're working pro- we're working yeah. professional yeah. right well hopefully when we're back uh, again knock on wood in two weeks time uh, still unbeaten that's the aim yeah, it'd be good, won't it? I know it's obviously that, that 13 game stretch comes to an end at Leicester, but in the hu- in terms of league form. Where it matters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd look at it, you take four points. Yeah. Go and beat Reading, then sets it up nicely to express yourself against West Bromwich Abbey. I mean, a win against Reading then really does put you in a nice position in terms of where the, we are from the bottom three. But there's nothing to say the bottom three could all win on Saturday because it's just been, I mean, Barnes here, I know they lost their last last one, but there was three clean sheets, three, three wins on the spin ahead of that. Um, Wigan have turned into you know some top six form side the North West Barcelona yeah, and, even, and even Luton are, are scrapping for their lives at home their offence is picking up points so I have no idea how it's going to you know either teams on the slide Hull Such City are getting dragged league. in Middlesbrough are getting dangerously Middlesbrough are in the close. relegation yeah. zone now as we speak so you know the, the bottom three have absolutely kicked on so we need to make sure we just tick along nicely and uh, I am backing the boys for a big three points on Saturday. Up the blues. Up the, Up the blues. Up the Don't swear. Blues. Don't swear. <laughs> right, until then. Up the ducking blues. That'll do. That'll do. This has been the Blues Talk Podcast. I've been Callum Denny. And I've been Dale Moon. We'll see you in two weeks' time. The Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning.